Welcome everyone. Uh, welcome back to space space anime. Beep space jazz. We're just getting anime further jazz. and further away. Every anime season. jazz. Be it up, beep bop, beep up. <laughs> I got nothing <laughs> anymore. Yeah, like I don't know what. Let's be real. Cowboy Bebop, it, the space is ancillary. Yeah. And I think these episodes very much prove that the space is ancillary. This is not a story of space. It just happens to be in space. It's a good way yeah, of looking like at it. Eight, eight fucking episodes from now, we're in like 18th century art history. And then it's like a ship a thesis problem of how we got there from space <laughs> anime. <laughs> yeah there's gonna be like a whole planet full of dudes doing a weird roman reenactment thing and it's gonna make no sense in a modern military <laughs> context it's gonna be really good for you oh wait <laughs> wait a minute that was uh the smart one <laughs> oh well <laughs> the spaciest one yeah <laughs> well cuba want to start us off yeah so um episode 12 and 13 are just a two-parter of the same episode so as such we're just gonna discuss them as if they're one episode so sounds yep. good yeah so um, we see Laughing Bull, who's a Native American dude, and his son, I guess, chilling around. They see a shooting star, and then Bull says, like, it's the tear of a great warrior who has finished battle and could not find his way to the great spirit. This is important because it comes up later. Um, we see Vicious. <laughs> Literally. Uh, he's meeting the van, which is the red dragon bosses, and he's asking them to do a drug deal on Callisto. Um, they're like, why did the buyer request you specifically? And it's like, well, the buyer and I have history from the Titan War. And then they go on and start mocking him, saying he has a cold heart and then, like, some... I don't know, like... Yeah, sleep. like, they're just like, hey, if you're going to Jupiter, you're going to need a jacket. And he's like, I'm colder than Jupiter. And they're like, yeah, I guess you are. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, just remember, a snake can't eat a dragon. Well, see ya. <laughs> it was just, like, really bizarre. But for yeah. real, pack a jacket, dude. So um, they assign Lynn, who's this, like, lackey dude, to go with Vicious. And uh, later, as they're walking away, Vicious tells Lynn, is like, if you want to survive, you're going to have to betray me. And Lynn's like, no, man, I'm all about the honor. And so, yeah. Um, on the Bebop, mm. Faye has left, and she took all the money. And also, I guess, the antifreeze, because it's hot as hell in the ship. Um, they ask Ed to look around to see where she went. Ed doesn't find anything, but instead finds something called Codename Julia. This makes Spike very uh, interested, like, anxious Spike about it. Spike perks up. Yeah. Spike, like, is, yeah, lying around and, like, jumps out of his seat, sprints across the room, and, like, slams into the computer face first, and is like, what? Huh? Yeah, so he goes in his ship to go look for Julia, and Jet's like, hey, you should be looking for Faye instead. She took all the money, and they argue for a bit, and eventually they have this kind of pouty falling out thing. It was like, well, you have no place left on the Bebop if you leave, and and Spike's like, okay, sure, that's fine, and Jet's like, Fuck you, no, fuck you. Yeah. So uh, he takes off and leaves. Faye's in on Callisto, which is a moon of Jupiter, by the way. Um, she's at a bar called the Blue Crow. There's a sax player playing. His name is Gren. Uh, he goes up to talk to her, and she thinks that he's hitting on him, but like he says he's not interested in women. Um, he also mentions like there's no other women in this town, and the other guys around the bar are eyeing you, so you should watch out. But she's like, nah, I'm good, and she leaves. We see a montage of Spike looking for Julia. He goes around Junkyard. This is a very funny shot of a man hitting computer parts with a hammer, which I totally forgot about. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> what job is he accomplishing? I, I mean, know, stress relief. He's a degausser. Yeah, maximum degaussing. They'll never <laughs> gauss again. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah, so, Those bits um, are all he, over the place now. He hits up a Junkyard. Uh, he talks up some prostitutes. They say, give him info about Grun. Gren. Um, he goes and you know, somehow like inadvertently asks this like minor gang boss that's like in an alley about Gren. That's and, poor dude. 
Yeah, so the boss gets his gang to show up, and they kind of corner Spike in an alley, and they say, like, we're here for the money vicious, and Spike just loses it when he hears that name, and, like, just starts beating the shit out of him. Did you um, say he, vicious? You son of a bitch. Yeah, so he eventually gets out of the drug boss after he beats him up that uh, there's a drug deal going down. Vicious is using Julia's name as a code word, and uh, it's going to happen someplace in the city. So um, we get a shot of Jet. He's down in Cluster looking for Faye. Uh, he goes to the bar. Oh, at a bar he sees uh, Gwen. He goes to a different bar, yeah. That's what it was. Yes. And like he sees on the TV from the fucking bounty hunting show that Gwen has a bounty. So he goes up to call Spike to tell him about it, but then stops because he realizes that they're kind of falling out. Um, we see Faye. She's walking around uh, waiting to beat up a gang. Apparently she got drunk at the bar and just decided she wanted to go beat up a gang or something. That's and, relaxing, you know? Yeah, she she, wanted, she put on gloves and stuff and thought it said it was going to be therapeutic. But um, she gets interrupted by Gwen knocking out the head boss guy with the saxophone case. And then they run away and she goes to his apartment. And she's then like, the, this is not what I wanted. Yeah, at the apartment, like, he kind of acts as like a therapist for her. Like, they talk about, uh, you know... Being with other people, relying on others, Faye doesn't seem to be, you know, in that frame of mind that she should rely on others. But, like, he's like, oh, you left them because you're scared of relying on them. And, yeah, they kind of have, like, a moment doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gwen goes to take a shower. And she starts looking around his apartment and sees some photos on the wall. She spots someone who looks familiar. And then a call comes on his answering machine. It's Vicious saying he's uh, setting up the drug deal. Hey, I've got the drugs, dude. Yeah. it's Hey, it's me, Vicious. Hey. <laughs> uh, I'm buying smack. What's up? <laughs> you yeah, want to so do the she, deal for the drugs? She um she gets her gun and enters the bathroom with it drawn because she thinks that this guy is dangerous. Uh, we cut over the Spike who has found Vicious and Lynn. They're just chilling after making their phone call on a payphone or something. Um, he Spike says that he knew like it comes out that Spike knew Lynn and Lynn used to be a kid. Um, he, like makes some mentions like oh you grew up a bit or whatever. Um, Spike goes and says, like, I want to settle things, but Lynn jumps in front of Vicious, uh, guarding him from Spike, and pulls out a gun. And Spike is sort of kind of yeah. surprised at Lynn's loyalty and, like, asks him to move because he doesn't want him getting involved. Uh, we cut back to, uh, to Faye. She pulls back the shower curtain and finds that Gwen has breasts but also a penis and is really confused. And he says something to the effect of, like, I am both and neither. Um, Lynn just shoots Spike and he falls to the ground and uh, Vicious and him take off. And, then the, and that's uh, the end part. of the episode. Yeah. And that's the end of part one, yeah. So, as far as, like, style notes, holy shit, when Spike pops off at them for calling him vicious, just beautiful stuff. He, Especially, this is like, very different from how he usually looks. Yes, it is rare. it is rare for him to see angry Spike. In particular, like, at the end when he's just like... Yeah, we're, you're using Julia as the code name for it, and my boss is like, "Yeah, it sounds like some uh, some real easy lady's name, eh?" And then Spike's just like, "Yeah, I guess it does." And then just like fucking punches him across the room, and like turns to the camera, and it's just this super fast, like tiny bit of animation of him just punching and then turning and looking at the camera and just locking, and it's just so good. It's like so sharp and well done. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, there's a one of the shots I like in the beginning is when Vicious is talking to the uh, van. Like the three leader guys are kind of on these like podium perches, mm-hmm. and like there's a shot from behind Vicious that's kind of panning, or it's a dolly shot going across the screen. It shows them in parallax. It shows like how far away they are, kind of just by the depth of field they're using. And it looks yeah. uh, real mm-hmm. cool because it's also like really dimly lit from the ceiling and floor, so it's just like the back of Vicious and these dudes in a line. 
God, it also kills me every time seeing them sitting like that because they look almost exactly like the like reward pillars in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yes. Get a goodie after doing a little mini dungeon. It just looks like these fools. <laughs> and I just keep thinking like one of them's going to give Vicious an orb. <laughs> Please Something take this like orb. That. Yeah, here, you need this orb, hero of, well, <laughs> vicious, I guess. <laughs> there was um, some good shots when Spike and Jet were on the Bebop, like yelling at each other and having an argument. They were walking through like the centrifuge lock they yes, had on the ship. I love that shot. Yeah, and so like Spike goes from walking to like holding on to the lock, and then Jet starts walking backwards after him. So Spike is just standing there, sliding along with it, and Jed is walking while they have this argument, and it holds on it for a really long time, and it's very disconcerting. Yeah. There's also some real good animation of, like, Jet's reaction, like, when he says, oh, he's had it, you're not allowed on the ship anymore, in when he's in the hangar. Like, it's just him, like, the animation style is him being mad, but he's overplaying how mad he is to try to win the argument, and it's mm-hmm. well done in that regard. Yeah, like, he's clearly playing it up, and, like, also, like, it seems like Jet, again, is just kind of aware this is more of, like, Spike's past and criminal ties and stuff, and just doesn't want to, just doesn't want to deal with it at all, even a little. (laughs) Like, just, no, please. Last time this happened, you were dead for three days, and you fell out of a cathedral. (laughs) Yeah, it's also a nice little uh, touch they had is, like, the cockpit coming down on Spike and the airlock shutting behind Jet when they have the end of their argument, like, they're locking each other away. Yep pretty fun um callisto itself has like a cool kind of russian aesthetic going on it's all like brutalism hard concrete buildings um a lot of slums it's uh i don't know it's kind of a nice not nice but you know interesting it's like a mining town like siberian kind of thing i don't know like they had a lot of like skyscrapers but like the skyscrapers were far apart and very large like they were like wager corporation sort of things it kind of felt almost like blade runner-esque in that like the rich people are up here, the poor people are down there sort of feel. And also, the, like, the whole, it's a town of nothing but dudes thing. Yeah, that's, I, I we skipped over that, but apparently there aren't any women in this town, which is kind of weird. I don't know how that got happening, but. Yeah. That, they all they just never really they're do address that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, some good uh, shots and animation during the fight scene with uh, Spike. Um, one of the things that I really like is that they show like a close-up of the action happening, and then they do like a far-back shot of the result of the action. Yep. Like they show like Spike jumping into the crowd, like his feet, and then like he'll be kicking dudes from far away, and then or they'll show like a close-up of him uppercutting a guy, then the far shot of the guy flying into a wall or something. Like they keep yep. doing those close than far shots. Yeah, you get a lot of view of, like, how vicious Spike is being there, huh? And, you know, it, it's causing a lot of damage, and you don't really get that impact if you don't have the reaction shot. Hmm. Um, it's also fun uh, when uh, Faye starts to... She wants to fight all these guys when she leaves the bar, and, like, she kicks one of them and gets ready to go kick another one, but, like, it's a quick shot of Gwen, like, sliding in the frame, and then it's, like, from behind him smashing the dude's face with the saxophone case and like the yeah, guy's just kind of like, flying but the sax case is like super well animated yep yeah it's a humongous case with yeah it is clearly like if you've never like seen a hard case for a large brass instrument like they're heavy tenor they're saxophones they're designed... you could fuck someone up with those things oh yeah yeah and they are designed to, like, be armor for the very heavy, expensive instrument inside. So yep. you were basically swinging a armor box at something. It's pretty 
It hurts. <laughs> it I sucks. only had an alto case, and it was still like I could have done some damage to that to someone with that. I have had some some instrument cases fall on me in my day. Yeah, <laughs> and it's never it's never good. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying some other shots here. Um, there's some good. There's one lens I liked was there's a match cut. So at the same time that Faye is in the apartment pulling out the gun and going into the bathroom to see Gwen or Gren, I keep saying that guy's name wrong. Um, Spike is also like pulling a gun out on um, Vicious, and they do several match cuts back and forth of their reactions. Like one of them will pull the gun, yep. and then it'll match to the other one. Yeah, that nice whole scene, game. like the tension and everything, is ridiculous. Yeah, and then also at the end when Lynn does shoot Spike, um, it's like a from Spike's perspective, like him pulling the gun dead on to the camera, shooting, and then like the camera just falls backwards and looks at the sky. Yep. So. Yeah, those are. Well, we're dead now. They shot us. Really? We're dead. Can't believe the series ended on episode twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just keeps happening. <laughs> So um, episode 13, which is the continuation on, um, we cut to Gwen telling Faye they're outside of the shower now about his backstory. Um, there's a flashback to him on Titan, with, um, and he is in the war with Vicious on his side. Um, there's a scene of them sitting around, and Vicious gives him a music box, that, because it's playing like a tune, and he says he wants to play for a saxophone when the war's done. And then like he turns like the walk away, and then immediately turns around, pulls the knife, and goes to like stab him. Except twists it was, like, and the stabs, and like looks like it's right next to his head. Yeah, but there's like a scorpion there that was about to sting him, and then he like, just walks away. I gotta say, vicious is like extremely extra. There was <laughs> no reason to grab Gren's face and slam him into the, the wall. The guy with the crow and sword. Yeah. Yeah, with the trench coat. Who's yeah, <laughs> even when he was in the war before he had all that, he was. Absolutely extra. There are so many times when, like, the van is talking to Vicious, and they're like, "You're you're just too darn mad, Vicious." And I'm just like thinking, you could very much just also be like, "It's a it's a bit much, Vicious." Like, you, get it. <laughs> you literally named yourself Vicious, my guy. But like the crow thing, re- back it really? up a little. <laughs> oh, come on, man! It's, not it's, a crow. it's like some exotic bird of paradise or something. Because like they show a crow in this episode, and it's like a normal looking crow. <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah, so uh, after the war, apparently Glenn had um, been accused of being a spy, and he thinks that Vicious called him out on it, but he's not sure. Well, I think it was like he heard Vicious testified against him in like a court martial. So pretty serious. Yeah, so he went to jail and apparently got hooked on some drugs that screwed up his hormones, hence the bathroom. It was like. He was like having some issue, like you know, he was just like acting up or whatever, and they just in the prisons to have control people just started using drugs. I guess like it was like an experimental drug or something, and yeah, that like that's the whole idea. It sounds like prisons aren't great in the future. Crazy, right? On the crazy yeah. frozen Russian planet after a war on a desert planet, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> So, yeah, Glenn uh, plans on meeting with Vicious to see if he really did frame him. Uh, Faye's like, that guy is going to murder you, and Glenn doesn't care. Uh, she then asks, like, well, why did you bring me here? And you just brought me here to tell me this and then leave and die. That's fucked up. And he's like, well, I don't know. I was lonely or something. Why'd which, you get me attached, you jackass? Yeah, to which Faye replies by trying to shoot him. But, like, he dodges and kind of handcuffs her and sticks her in his bedroom. Uh, we then see a flashback. Uh, if you remember in episode five, when Spike fell out of the cathedral, there's like a bunch of like still frames to music. Well, it's those, but now there's dialogue. Uh, you can kind of get tell that like Spike was on the way out from the syndicate, that Julia thought that someone may betray, may betray Vicious, etc. And like some stuff about Spike's left eye seeing into the past. Um, they bring up his heterochromia for the first time. 
Yeah, and it also brings up the shot uh, from the harmonica episode where like people are operating on his eye. It's kind of obvious that Spike has a fake eye. Mm. Uh, so Spike wakes up in the snow. Uh, he realizes that he has been tranquilized and not actually shot, and Lynn was just kind of mocking him for that. He was like, I'm alive. God damn it. Uh, Jet is looking around for the apartment where Gwen is at. I guess he's on the hunt for the bounty now. Um, he accidentally passes by that boss guy who got beat up twice now, and that guy is just <laughs> out of it. He's just like, look, like, I'm done. He's like, I'm looking for some blue apartments. Uh, you might have heard of him, and he's just like, not talking to foreigners ever again. I'm done with it. No, I'm go. I'm getting an, uh, I'm going home and becoming a family man. <laughs> like, I'm never going to crime uh, again. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he does eventually find Gwen's apartment. Uh, he finds Faye on the bed handcuffed and thinks that uh, he's kind of up to that stuff, but she fills him in and says that it's different. Uh, Spike is flying around in a swordfish looking for Vicious. He gets a call from Jet saying, they're like, hey, if you capture Gwen, you can come back to the Bebop now. Um, we see it's kind of like a montage here. Vicious and Gwen are setting up the drug deal. Gwen says that he's going to send a woman um, and meet on a skyscraper. I'm on the Jet top is, of the tallest building because I'm that kind of guy. Yeah, he is that kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> Jet is towing Faye and her ship back, and like he keeps asking us, like, why if you disabled the Bebop and didn't disable the, our other ships, like the Hammerhead or the Swordfish? And she's getting why'd all, you like, steal all our money? It. Yeah, it's also funny because I think this is where they learned that like there was no money in the safe anyway. It's like he took all the <laughs> money, like, and she's like, it was twenty thousand wulongs, and he's like, really? Oh. All right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Essentially, like yeah, 20 which, bucks. I, I stole yeah, 20 from your wallet yeah, like, for gas. Come on, dude. Yeah, it was like 20,000 yen, which is not a lot of yen. <laughs> not, 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 not much. So uh, the drug deal happens. Um, Gwen and Vicious are on the roof, and they exchange the goods. Um, right as Vicious is going to leave, Gwen shoots the money case. It slides over to where Vicious is and explodes. Um, after the dust settles, Vicious realized that the woman is actually Gwen. He's kind of dressed up like a woman in the scene. Um, Gwen says that Julia knew the music box was fishy and that it had a transmitter in it. So, like, it's kind of implied here that Vicious was the spy and he kind of pinned it on Gwen. Then he asks Vicious why uh, he's trying to kill him because they were comrades. They fought in the war together. Vicious like, hey, I'm in this for myself. Fuck you, buddy. Um, it's during the scene that Lynn just gets shot taking a bullet for Vicious. Uh, yeah, they're monologuing like, at each other, and uh, Gren tries to shoot Vicious, at which point Lynn goes, no, and inserts himself into the scene to die. Yeah. And Vicious's response to this is, that was that was dumb. Nothing matters. Doesn't count. Whatever. <laughs> Don't care. Not cool. His response to this <laughs> is going over, picking up the drugs, and leaving. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Just like, yep, not impressed. I'm leaving. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So he does that. Uh, Spike flies over because he saw the explosion from miles away look to investigate the three of them get into like a 2v1 dogfight where they're trying to take down vicious but i guess vicious has the better ship because he is constantly shooting the other two uh, spike is yelling at him mad that lynn died and vicious like oh he wasn't protecting me he was protecting the order he's stupid like that honor is dumb um, <laughs> yeah he's not wrong which is the thing that vicious had brought up multiple times of just like you're just enforcing rules and following rules and i don't care like when he mentions at the beginning he's like you're gonna have to betray me like the first thing he's just like i'm just enforcing the rules and vicious is like that's dumb that's all the dumb yeah vicious yeah. is very much for, me, like the, vicious, the boomer remover i'm about to do work stand back <laughs> yeah the syndicate seems like it's very much about that whole honor cast system thing they got going on but vicious does not mm-hmm. give a shit about any of that so Anyway, during the dogfight, Gwen's ship uh, gets hit and he goes and crashes. Um, 
then the music box, which was inside the, the drugs that Vicious took, explodes in Vicious' ship. So he kind of like disengages and flies off to his larger syndicate ship, which is parked over there. Um, Spike goes and lands near Gwen, asks where Julia is. Uh, Gwen knows he's dying, and Spike tries to call for an ambulance, but Gwen just kind of declines it. He's like, I'm, like, I'm dying, gotta... dying, dude. Yeah, so he has to be towed up in the space to go to Titan one last time, and Spike's like, you're never going to make it. He's like, dude, I know, I don't care. And then uh, they start talking about how uh, when he met Julia, they were always talking about Spike because Spike has the two weird eyes, and that's how he knew it was him. You're Spike, ain't you? Um, Spike then goes and tows his ship into space. He looks happy and peaceful as he flies off into the stars. Um, Spike goes back to the Bebop. Jet says, like, what do you got? And he's like, I got nothing. And he's like, fine, get on. So oh, he come lands. on. Yeah. Um, there's a shot of Faye inside having her nails painted by Ed, uh, thinking about what Julia was, and, like what she meant to Spike. And then the original shot from the first part of the episode comes back of Laughing Bull looking overhead to the shooting star. It's the same speech. The camera pans up and it just plays the credits while it like pans up continuously into uh, space and then for, goes from Mars to Titan. So, uh, yeah, the uh, second part of this episode has a lot of really cool shit in it. Um, the first part is like, I, I think, is like the way they do the film grain for the flashback in Titan. It's like this like pink, really grainy, like... The war film. Effect. Yeah, it looks like it's recovered war footage, and so yep. and they're they're like literally in a trench here too. Yeah, yeah, like it's like war, war. Like it's not some kind of future space war. This is just like this is World War Two ass war. <laughs> More or God, less. World War One yeah. ass war. Yeah, yeah, honestly, here on Titan, um, uh, I really like that this is technically a Spike Ash episode, but it's actually a vicious episode. Yeah, hey, well. Like, Spike isn't... This episode isn't really about Spike as much as it is about the characters that form Spike's backstory. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of cool that they go into that. Yeah, because, I mean, like, the Spike obviously has his way, his own characterization, but this is a major part of it, and why he acts like he does is because of this guy, so... Yep. Makes sense. And the they also have... They have him reacting to Vicious a couple times, too, to, like, make sure you really understand how much Spike has a... Firm distaste for this man. <laughs> not, not the biggest fan. Yeah, yeah. With the yeah, first episode yeah. having the you called me vicious and just beats them all up and <laughs> when he confronts him. There's a lot of good uh, animation with the anger on his face. You yeah, just, you feel there's, it. Real you can tell hard. it's different. There's a fun shot of when uh, Spike wakes up. He's looking at the sky and then he kind of looks down towards his feet and there's just a crow staring at him because it's just perched on his chest, which yep. is fun. Um, Jet's confusion while trying to talk to the thug boss about finding an honest job, like when he's oh, looking for the that apartment, the thug guy <laughs> just haunts nothing to do with him. <laughs> it's real funny. And, and in like in the middle of this just really serious, you know, couple of episodes, it's a nice bit of comic relief of just this one guy who got beat up so many times that we, the audience, know he's super done. But it's just Jet's having just, the worst day. Jet's just kind of like this guy's acting so weird to me. Everyone <laughs> here is, is so on? weird. I just yeah, want to know f- about a building, dude. What? What? <laughs> um, during the scene where Spike and Jet talk about the bounty and then Jet talks to Faye about why she left, the, there's a song called Words That We Couldn't Say there, which is kind of on the nose a bit, but um, <laughs> I feel it does make the scene nice. Uh, like, it, the way... It's kind of like a slow guitar piece, so it's, you know... And it's these people obviously saying things to each other, which they're having trouble because, you know, their relationships are a bit strained and whatnot. Um... In the actual drug deal, there's a really cool shot of when 
Gwen starts talking to Vicious, his reaction to him learning this, and then, like, the way he shoots the case, it shows, like, the case sliding across to him in a low fisheye, it opening the bomb going off immediately. Like, this is all really super quick, and, like, just the way it's edited, it has a lot of action applied on it, which I like. Yeah. And it's still very Short clear, open, though. And he blew up that bomb, and it's like, yeah. yep, awesome. Also, the reaction shot of, like, Spike miles away just seeing an explosion on top of the skyscraper <laughs> and just tossing a cigarette and running to his fucking uh, plane. <laughs> Found him. It's vicious again. <laughs> God damn it. Always blowing shit up. Yeah, like, especially on top of a skyscraper. Like, the only other thing that would make it more clear is if it was just, like, bang. And then he'd just be like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> you, got, you gotta get the uh, katana unsheathed as well. Yeah. Shwing! <laughs> oh, damn it, Vicious is around again. <laughs> There's also, like, the way they kind of have Lin unceremoniously take this bullet. So, like, they, they're shooting, uh, Gwen is shooting at Vicious, who's kind of hiding. And, like, Lin, like, yells for him, jumps in front of the screen, like, as he's diving. And, like, it shows him get shot, but then it just shows blood on the ground, and then they just don't show Lin anymore. Like He's, he's never yeah. there again. Yeah. He's kind of like ancillary to the whole thing, because he's more about just, like, this is what the syndicate does to people. Like, Vicious kind of has a point about how shitty they are. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he is, you know, still in it. And also, Lin clearly, like, represents the old guard to a certain extent. And just, like, the fact that the old guard and the old ways, like, whether they like it or not, if they try and get between these two idiots, (laughs) they're going to get killed. Like, they're going to get killed, both metaphorically and quite literally in Lin's case. Like, it's just a bad idea. Um, So, yeah, the best part of this episode is the last seven minutes. The music that's played during this, like, this two-episode... Two episodes together, I used the track Space Line, which is the jazz saxophone theme that uh, Gwen plays. But like the end of this episode is just that seven minute track uncut while stuff goes on over the credits. Yeah. And so like it starts up when Spike gets over to where um, Gwen has crashed the ship and he starts talking to him. And like the, the monologue itself of Gwen isn't really too impressive or whatever but like the crescendo of like the the drums come in when he starts towing him up the space and then like the chanting starts happening when like he's leaving towards titan like obviously dying and so like it's good musical cues like the way it's framed yeah the whole thing was storyboarded and shot to time to this and it works so well yeah and like it's also that the chanting like part of the song comes in like while they show the bebop crew going back to like their normal day-to-day lives even though they're all kind of been i don't know altered or changed by this this. yeah so there's a lot of that in this show where like all this bad shit happens but you still gotta pay rent next month like you just kind of try to get on with it yeah, especially when the, like the whole theme of this episode is like you know dealing with comrades, as you know Gwen said multiple times. Yep. It's like you know Faye leaving despite the fact that like she feels that they are the, her friends almost. Like it's not really said right now, but in later episodes you'll see like she has grown attached to the Bebop crew despite what she says to them. It's the closest thing she has, and we're going to learn more about that soon. Enough. Yeah, and clearly she has many attachment related issues, yep. which come up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> It's putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? A character in this show is a bit messed up? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, extremely so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, well, I guess we'll just go on to the next episode, Bohemian yeah, Rhapsody. Messed up to the point that this fool just hears a common woman's name and then, like, leaps across a room and slams his face into a computer. Jet you does know, have just a line. Normal, like, there's just a lot of stuff guys do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just I mean, I guess it was at least kind of named after True. the real She Julia. was there. Oh, Look, yeah. It did happen to be this time, but it, it's pretty buck wild when <laughs> you think about it. I'm just like, codename Julia. Well, mm-hmm. clearly that's my wife. <laughs> Friendship over, Jet. I'm going. Yeah. Uh, so, episode 14, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, the intro of this is just Spike, Faye, and Jet like capturing these like wanted people in like, short I love vignettes. This whole set of shots. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, return to the Bebop and start complaining because, like, they captured all these little fries, but they didn't get the mastermind, and they don't get the bounty unless they get the mastermind. Um, it comes out that, that this mastermind has been stealing money from gate tolls, the interstellar gate or the interplanetary gate system. Like, it's just a scam that's going on or whatever. And, like, it shows that the Gape Corp has been flooded with complaints of people losing their money. So, I guess they put out a bounty on the mastermind. So, they decide that, like, they're going to pull their info despite Faye not wanting to earlier before the episode start, I guess. They all pull out these chess pieces. Talking <laughs> no one, Faye decided, uh, I think I can take this one solo, and I deserve the whole cookie pie. I deserve <laughs> the whole pie. Me, Faye. And yeah, they're just both like, all right, fine. Again, like either, anytime this comes up, Spike and Chet both immediately are like, yeah, all right, fine. You'll <laughs> like, be back. to have no resistance to this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they start talking about their info they have. Jet says that all the jobs were done in the same way, where a team physically infiltrated the gate system, put in some like doohickey thing to hack it, and then laundered the money through accounts. But all the perps have nothing in common. Uh, Faye says that uh, she was following instructions. Uh, the guy she captured was following instructions found on a website, so like he wasn't doing his own work. He was doing someone else's. It turns out he was the millionth visitor to that website, and... <laughs> He clicked the monkey and got a prize. <laughs> uh, Spike says that the masterminds like knew what they were doing with terms of the gate system. So like the person, the mastermind must have inside knowledge and maybe have worked for the gate corporation. Yeah. Like it's probably someone from gate core. Yeah. Um, there's a scene of like Ed, like fucking around with wires and like, she's trying to set up this chessboard and like she electrocutes herself. Yeah. And like falls over and they all kind of look at her and then she just gets up and keeps going and they just keep talking. Like nothing. This happens frequently. Yeah. yeah. To the point of phase, like, Hey, you didn't die from this one, did you? Hey, you didn't die. Like, pokes her a couple times, then it just springs up, and she's just like, weird kid. Oh, well, so this bounty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Jet gives her a chess piece, and, like, she puts it on the board and starts playing with the person. Because I guess it's, like, an e-chess token or something. It just allows her to play chess. Uh, so Jet's like, okay. It was a Skylander. It was the chess Skylander. Yeah. Is what it was. It was <laughs> a chess shit. amiibo. Yeah. Chess amiibo it, it is was, a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. It is literally just a chess amiibo that connects you to the chess net and you can play against other chess players with their chess amiibos. Yeah. Of course, that's Ed is, is like, of course that's a chess amiibo. I recognize it immediately. <laughs> I have. Oh, you should see my father's amiibo chamber that he built for his thousands of amiibos. You see, he was an archaeologist on Earth, and he's unearthed many amiibos and Funko Pops, their great historical oh artifacts. Wow. That explains a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Jet decides to go follow up on the... Um, tip that Spike had about like insider knowledge and goes to the gate HQ on his way there. He passes uh, Jonathan, I guess an old friend and also a bounty hunter. Uh, Spike goes to the CEO and like kind of 
just doesn't really get a whole lot done. He kind of taunts the CEO saying like he's uncooperative and stuff. But like during this, he lights up a cigarette, which he's told to put out immediately. It was and, like, like I know this is an inside job. He says, well, lighting a cigarette like a cool guy. And then the boss, the CEO is just like, you can't smoke in here, dude. Yeah. So he drops it inside like a tree, like a planter. And then like out in the parking garage where he's waiting for a ship to show up, he listens in because it had a radio attached. So like that was his whole ploy, I guess, to begin with. Um, the CEO is talking to some lackeys saying that like uh, it's Chess Master Hex is doing. And like, you know, we have to go find this guy before he ruins us. What a great username. Chess Master Hex, yeah. Uh, while he's listening on the radio, Jonathan is kind of spying in on Jet so he knows this as well. Back on the Bebop, Ed is still playing chess. Um, Jet radios spike with info and they want to go ask Ed to look up Hex, but Ed is very busy. Um, so they do it themselves. Uh, apparently, this guy was a genius programmer who worked on the gates like 30 years ago, 50 years ago, or something like that. Um, he played chess too and was like a, was a master. chess master. Yeah. Uh, he apparently thought the gates were unsafe and wanted to do more tests, but the gate corporation's like, nah, dude, we got to get these things going. And so they kicked Yeah, but off they the print company. money, dude. Yeah, so they sacked yeah, them like, and then made he the He found gates. some huge, dangerous flaw, which clearly was correct given the number of times these fucking gates have had issues. Well, they blew <laughs> up the moon, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that is a good example of an issue. Yes. <laughs> Won't fix, can't recreate. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Faye wants Ed to help try to hack, uh, track this uh, chessmaster hex dude down. But, like, when she tries to go and shake Ed off the chessboard, like, she gets, like, really rabid and almost feral, which is funny. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Spike's like, dude, we need to find Hex. And she's like, well, I'm playing Hex right now. And so apparently, yeah, she's playing Chessmaster Hex on the board. There have been cuts to this old Professor or Dr. Wiley looking guy. Yeah, just uh, like throughout the episode. Playing like, chess. And you realize very quickly that they're playing each other. Yeah. So um, they trace Hex his uh, location through the game. And apparently he's out in some like derelict space junkyard, like island of just junk. So he's and, in a space hippie commune. Yeah. And so Spike and Faye uh, suit up and they go out in their ships looking for him. Jonathan has been following the Bebop kind of discreetly this entire time, uh, disables the Bebop with a blast and then follows uh, Spike and Faye because he wants the bounty apparently as well. He's also like, this one's personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Spike and Faye start looking through the junkyard construction thing. They find squatters and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder because they see like dogs flying around and then just like weed being grown and just people just drunk everywhere. I love this zero G hippie commune. Yeah, someone offers Faye like a blunt and she flies by. He's just like, hey, nice uh, suit or whatever. You want one of these? Wanna hit <laughs> just kind of like, hey. Yeah, it seems like a libertarian paradise. Um, <laughs> you can do whatever to your car you want here. It's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, eventually they do find Hex. Um, he is still playing chess with Ed. Jonathan also shows up and he's very angry. And apparently, Hex took all of his money and he wants it back. But the three of them quickly discover that Hex is completely senile and, like, doesn't remember yesterday, let alone 50 years. So um, they kind of, like, wonder what to do. Um, Jonathan realizes, like, immediately that he's never getting any of his money back, apparently of his life savings. So he just starts blasting the place up with, you know, his explosive... He has, like, a grenade launcher? I don't know. But he gets He brought the heavy ordinance for this. Uh, also, it turns out that this thing, like, not only takes your toll, but it also steals all of your bank account money. Yeah. So, um, yeah. They, like, it's like a really big flaw. It's yeah. a bit of an issue. <laughs> yeah, so it cuts back to uh, Gate Corp HQ. Jet is there. He's recapping everything that just happened to the CEO, uh, saying, like, man, it's real fortunate for you guys that this guy isn't smart be- or isn't, you know, 
I guess, lucid. He so basically set advantage. this up 50 years ago because the gates were supposed to undergo routine maintenance then, but it turns out a plan that you make in your 40s to happen when you're in your 90s isn't really going to have much of input from you. Yeah. And so, like, the CEO's like, okay, fine, you're blackmailing me. What do you want? And Jet's like, oh, just leave Hex alone. He's old. No one cares about him. You don't want to take away Ed's chess partner. Um, we get some quick shots. Jonathan is now just smoking a huge blunt inside the hippie commune. He's, uh, I guess, moved past his bounty hunting life. Ed is uh, in the Bebop lounge still playing chess. And Faye's like, you've been playing that a new game? And she's like, no, I'm playing the same game a week later. And uh, she ends up losing, which makes Hex very Please. happy. Play with clocks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Play with the chess clock. It feels kind of like, oh my God. It's kind of like male chess week? or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, she loses and just kind of like falls over and does her thing. Uh, Hex looks very happy. He closes his eyes in his chair and then his, pilot, his parrot, which he's had, kind of just flies away, insinuating that he has died, maybe? And that's the end of the episode. All right. Yeah, so um, what you were saying in the beginning, the intro of this is real cool because like it shows either the back or the front of all of these bounty heads being approached or being approached from behind, and then it shows like the grinning Spike Fay or Jet as they like beat him up to get them. The shot with Spike is so good because it's like a two-second shot of Spike walking, a two-second shot of the bounty like walking. He turns around and Spike fucking decks him, and then it's just done. The scene's over, and that's what the episode starts on. Yeah, and and Jets, if I remember right, he's just got like sunglasses and a shit eating grin as he walks up to somebody with a net gun. Oh, no, <laughs> They're he's going up like, an escalator. Yeah, the bounty's yeah. coming up an escalator and he just takes out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna love this part. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, oh shit, they got an escalator. Great, those go precisely one way to one exit. <laughs> I know where that is. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, shot of them, like, uh, when after they complained about all of their bounties, not like they're not getting the money for the bounties, like, it's kind of inside that they're still broke because they haven't caught the mastermind. The shot is, like, from the ceiling straight down, and there's, like, a fan kind of obscuring it for most of the shot. And then, like, the fan breaks, and they all look up at it. <laughs> like, they didn't even need to do that. It adds nothing to the scene, but it's still funny. <laughs> there are so many little animation flourishes. Like, uh, when Faye has, pulls out the extra information about, like, the get rich quick scheme. There's a, she could have just pulled it like out of her pocket or something, but there's a shot of her like rifling through her coat like she can't find it. Yeah. And it's there, so tiny and incidental, but I just, I love it. Cause it's yeah, like, there was yep, actually a small attention last episode where Spike is on the snow and like he goes to run over to someone and slips. Like they, yep. they didn't even need to do that, but like it looks really cool and realistic. So, um, yeah, the three of them reaction to Ed being electrocuted, then popping back up and pretending like nothing has happened. <laughs> It's not so much that Ed was electrocuted. It's the fact that they just continue talking like this is a common occurrence and that they just don't care. You just get used to it. Ed ate the fucking space parasite. It's fine. (laughs) Ed is just a Looney Tunes (laughs) in real life to them. And they're like, are are you okay? Oh, yeah, you're fine. All right. All right, Caleb. We're going to try and keep this kid alive, but we're not going to try very hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she seems kind of indestructible, actually, so... (laughs) There's a lot of fisheye shots in the... uh, When Jet goes to talk to the CEO, there was one in, like, the parking structure, and they tilt up Mm -hmm. to show his ship there. Like, when he's talking to the CEO, there's, like, a high crane shot that's fisheye of him and the CEO far away, but tiny. There's one on the Bebop when Spike and Faye are talking later on about trying to look for Hex. There's just a lot of them in this episode, which is fun. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, when, Spay, when Fike, Spike and Faye are looking for Hex inside the uh, asteroid junk cluster thing. That whole weird. set of shots is so great. Yeah, like the show that it's very zero-G, like he'll be walking down the, the path or whatever and then like turn and walk on a wall because like then there's no gravity. Like there's a lot of extreme Dutch tilts just to like put you off balance. And all the halls mm-hmm. are like fisheye shot as well to show that they're like lawn and, you know. Yeah, I love the 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 jazz music in the background and also the cuts with um of course Ed still uh playing chess with Hex. <laughs> yeah, and there's like, like this... they do a move and then you cut to one of them seeing something really weird. <laughs> and it's Yeah, really there's good. like this Arabic sounding like track that goes on and the music just starts picking up its tempo like as more weird shit just shows up on screen. Which is fun. God, the shot of Faye going through, like, the main zone where you realize this is, like, literally an entire city's worth of people. Like, the show's so good about making, adding these little details to all of the places that you go in, even when it's, like, you know, only just to establish the place you're at. Yeah, it's, it's fun, too, because, yeah. like, you don't see the guys, the people living there for too long. But, like, aside from your obvious hippie types, there's also, like, religious nuts that are there. There's, like, some Buddhist monks just chilling. Like, the three old seems- men are there. Yeah, it's Ooh, uh, recurring characters love, the whole time. I just love that, like, if you think about it, really, they could totally have just had Chessmaster Hex on a space station alone by himself with birds and nothing else. Yep. But like, oh yeah, that would have been him, any other show. Yeah, right. And then having this like big hippie commune thing with like all these little details around it, like, kind of gives you an idea of like he set this up and then he just went and lived his own life and like managed yeah. to like steal enough money to like get this group going and whatnot and like they kind of did their own thing it, like it's cool it gives you this feeling of you know this, this it makes a character that otherwise is literally old man what plays chess good and set up a trap 50 years ago that's the whole character like yeah. that's it i also <laughs> and, like, love the repurposing of like it's like gate debris and stuff like he deliberately yeah, like took graveyard yeah. like he deliberately took something because it was shit that he knew was gonna happen and it did and he took that and he made it into you know a place people could live so it's neat mm. Um, yeah, the last uh, the last part of the episode, they have a play waltz for ZZ, which is like this slow guitar piece. And yeah, it shows like Hex relaxing in his chair and the parrot flying away like his chapter is done. Just a nice this, way to finish that character. Yeah, this is kind of why the show is, I don't know, so well-loved and feels so like lived in and fleshed out. Because even in these little episodes where this is kind of a comedy episode, you just get... All of this detail out of it. Well, I mean, in any other show, this is the a filler episode. This yeah. is them going after a random bounty. It's not really got anything to do with the overarching plot or Spike or any of the main characters, but it feels like a good, proper episode. It doesn't feel like a filler episode because it gives you so much detail. Yeah, yeah and, and the world building in particular, like no. it shows how corrupt the corporations like totally are. And that they're willing to play this kind of game and they totally get away with it all the time is kind of the implication, right? They like built it the feels gates. like it's something They fucking yeah, own like, the solar system, basically. Even basically, explains yeah. like the gates had a big problem and the gate explosion is actually kind of important, but it's like a background element to the episode. Yeah, yeah. Like they give a lot of details in world building without it being just like shoved in your face as a big like you know, it's not a big exposition dump or anything. Yep. It's just like, 
it, you see the knock-on effects of it as opposed to just being told exactly what happened, which is like way more interesting. Yeah, yep. I mean, it feels like this is information. Everyone knows about the gate incidents. Everyone knows of that crash and everything. But like to us, the viewer just seemed it be, I don't know, um, have more backstory and history put in it, not through like uh, exposition or anything, just by the events of what they're doing you know, builds the world that much better. It created an immortal child and also someone totally called it, but they kind of covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's just like so much that's well done with the kind of in media res nature of Cowboy Bebop where they just kind of drop you into this world and no one explains it to you. It's just passively, it exists and everyone's living in it and you're picking up details as you go. You just put it together yourself and that's kind of half the fun. And the next episode actually is another one that does a oh boy. great job of it. And also, holy shit, you want to ruin some escapism? Let's talk about <laughs> episode 15, My Funny Valentine. Yeah, but. so uh, the intro to this one is uh, a woman, it's Faye, being lowered into like a cryogenic storage. What? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Spoilers! Hey, whoa! Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! There could be any fucking blue-haired babe around here. What are you talking about? It, it's funny, could too, because it's a fun match cut of her being, like, lowered, I guess, until, like, liquid nitrogen or whatever, like, in a pod thing. And then it's, uh, it's um, Jet and Ed, like, opening up a freezer on the Bebop. <laughs> on the Bebop. And, like, they look into it, and there's just this package of, like, poisonous fish. <laughs> fish that have spoiled so bad that they will literally kill you. Yeah. Anyway, um, Faye is sleeping on the couch. Ayn wakes her up, and um, she, like, kind of smells dog shit because apparently Ayn is, like, cat box strain? Like, litter box strain? I don't know. She I, goes, you, know you can't really take a dog out in a spaceship, so fair it's enough. True, yeah. Yeah. a smart also, dog. Like, I mean, that's, that was our dogs, too. Yeah, both, of, both my skipperkies were trained for, like, litter boxes and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's not true. too hard. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> she goes to take Ayn's uh, shit to the toilet, and like while she's walking, she starts talking to him just kind of weirdly. And your thin eyebrows remind me of Whitney. Yeah, and so like she kind of squats down next to Ayn and is like, "Listen, if you want me to tell you about your story," and Ayn just yawns in her face. Ayn's <laughs> like, yeah, "No, like, not particularly." I'll, no. I'll tell you about the secrets of my past. Please don't. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the, most of the rest of this episode is flashback. Um, we flash back to a younger Faye. She's being woken up on this medical bed, like a future medical bed. Uh, this guy named Dr. Brackus is there. He's checking up on her, making sure she's Fucking reviving. guy. Yeah. Ugh, um, after he does Dr. His- Bacchus fucking sucks, and he tells these really shitty dad jokes that aren't funny, and then, like, laughs really loudly as if that makes them funny. He's like, oh, I was an alcoholic like Bacchus. Isn't that funny? Bacchus and Bacchus drowned him with alcohol like me. Bacchus. Ha 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 ha. It's like that. Like, he literally does the ha 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 at the end of his joke and it fucking sucks. I, I feel that Bacchus is just kind of a reference to Dr. Hibbert in a way from Simpsons. Like I can see that. Almost feels like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so after he's done, you know, making sure she's reviving, uh, he says, like, all you need to do now is pay the $300 million in fees. And she's like, I don't remember anything. And it comes out that she has kind of lost all of her memories of what happened. So later she's in a bed uh, recuperating. She's approached by a lawyer named Whitney. Um, she says that she's lost all her memories. And, like, she, he asked her, like, if you remember any of the things around her. And she, like, mistakes some objects for other things. Like, she thinks, like, that's a tea kettle when it's really, like, this face cleaner thing or whatever he said he's looking to her past uh she was in an accident 40 or 54 years ago and was frozen at the age of 20 um she takes this news kind of badly and faints 
Later that night, she tries to escape from the hospital. Um, she runs down the road to like I guess this like automated gas station, and is really confused by all the future. It's an AMC things. movie theater. Yeah, it wasn't AMC. They just stole the logo. <laughs> yeah, so she's confused by all like the hologram stuff and runs out and is later found with uh, by Whitney in his car. Um, there's a montage there of them starting to get to know each other, of her getting accustomed to future life, and it's implied they're starting to fall in love. Um, later on, they're driving down the highway in a car, and a ship flies over and uh, points a spotlight at them. He says that it must be the collection agency. They're getting impatient, so they flee into the woods. He drops her off in the woods, say, like, go back to Brockus. He'll help you out. I have to go run away and divert their attention. So he drives off, and then later on, there's an explosion. Uh, we cut the Faye at the hospital. She's crying and very upset and learns that um, from Bacchus that, like, well, if Litany died, he left all his possessions to you. So put your thumb here and, you know, get all of his will and deeds. And it's very clearly, like, a pressuring situation to us, the viewer. Like, yeah. it's very clearly something is shady here. Yeah, but like, Faye is, is obviously clearly... very emotional and... She, yeah, they're taking advantage of her current state and hustling the shit out of her. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, yeah. sure enough, they grab her by the hand, slam her thumb onto it, and they're just like, yep, it's your property now. By the way, the property was lots of debt. All debt. <laughs> got him. Oops. GG's. Hey, got him. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, she freaks out and flips the table, which is very funny. Yes, um, the still that that ends on is amazing. Yeah. Uh, back in the present, she's done with her story, uh, talk, done talking to Ayn. Spike leaves the bathroom. That, the uh, toilet was, flushes and the look of horror on her face is beautiful. Yeah. And she's like, did you hear all that? And he's like, you need an editor. It's <laughs> 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 funny. It was uh, so funny. Anyway, uh, Jet comes in. He's very happy with himself because he caught a bounty. Um, it's this guy. He looks kind of fat, but he's almost a bit familiar. And Faye just kind of looks at him for a second, and then like stares him down intensely. And he's a lot kind of good of, Faye faces in this one. Yeah, she, he's faces. kind of like shying away <laughs> from it, but it's <laughs> immediately obvious that this is uh, Whitney. He just is fat now. And so um, she demands to speak to Whitney alone. Um, they actually let her do this because they think it's weird that she knows this guy. They think it's like an ex-boyfriend. Um, a police ship during this time, by the way, co- comes up to collect the bounty. So Whitney is telling, um, telling Faye that Brackus is now dead, but like he, Brackus was protecting him at the time from the it, debt it's collectors. Bacchus. I got to insist on this one because that's a god. It's Bacchus. Oh, yeah. It's the god of the wine, wine and revelry. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Whitney was like, I couldn't talk to you because, like, I was having to pretend like I was dead in order to hide or whatever. And, like, we couldn't meet. And he seems, like, really regretful about this. And so, like, she kind of turns around and is like, okay, listen, they want to hand you over to the police. I'm going to help you escape. So they run out to her ship, the Red Tail, and stuff him inside. He's fat and can't fit. It's kind of funny. He is like, also like, no, no, don't. It's way too dangerous if you do that. Please let the police take me. <laughs> yeah, like, he's clearly not on board with this and doesn't want this to happen and like when we say he's fat we mean like they they mentioned like he went and got like implants and stuff to make his appearance dramatically different enough like yes. was kind of the idea like he was trying to make a new life after clearly getting his debts on to fe- this con continues yeah <laughs> we we have all we also have a shot of this point by who's in the police car uh cruiser and it's the doctor and the nurse yeah. So Jet and Spike go and try to stop her from running away with her bounty. She yells like, oh, we have history. I get dibs on the bounty. We're leaving. Bye. And takes off. Um, flies past the police cruiser that is outside. Um, Spike chases her in his ship. They have a dogfight. And eventually he shoots her red tail and disables it. At this point, she's like kind of bleeding and like panicking. Like she begs Whitney, like, what happened to me? What's truth? What's lie? I want to know about my past. 
Uh, Whitney says, like, okay, do you really want to know? But is interrupted by Bacchus, who uh, comes up on the radio. Yeah, he was in the pilot, in the police ship. Um, she, He tells her that, like, yeah, you were really actually frozen from back in time. Uh, but I gave you the name Valentine because you really didn't have a name because all the information on you was lost during the gate incident. Sorry. Oops. Yeah. And now she looks over at Whitney, who has lied to her again, saying, you know, Bacchus is dead. And she's very angry at him and eventually goes and hands him over to the police. Um, in the jail cell, as uh, like she's about to leave, Whitney says, like, I did tell you one truth about everything. Like, I did fall in love. And then, like, he immediately like says, no, no, I take that back. Wait, because she gets angry at him. And uh, the last scene is outside the police station. Spike gives Faye her cut of the bounty, which is pretty much nothing because this guy has a very shitty bounty because Jet lied about it to all of them. Jet fucked up the amount. He thought it was like 180,000. 198,000, yeah. And it was 19,800. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, less. Considerably yeah. less. Yeah. Whoops, I added a zero. Yeah, so there's this episode is actually kind of more tame comparatively for some of the shots compared to some of the other episodes in there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot more straightforward, a lot more about telling you about Faye. Yeah. Um, one of the shots that was funny I did like is the fact that like she goes to tell Ayn about this, Ayn yawns in her face and she gets super annoyed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Poor Ayn. <laughs> like Ayn like barking at her. I loved Ayn just like measuring her hand and she's like, fuck off. And then Ayn's like, nope. No, I, I did do a shit. I pooped. You gotta clean it up. Bark bark. Bark bark. <laughs> bark bark. Until <laughs> she woke up. Great shots of her face while he's barking in the yeah. background while she's trying to ignore him and sleep. There's really actually like... some good. Of... Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Uh, all right, sure. The like, I really like the way that this episode deals with like you really don't know what's true and what's a lie because Faye was lied to about all of it. Like the whole scene with her misidentifying a whole bunch of objects, like it. Let's that sit for a little bit before he's like, no, you're, you're wrong. Those aren't actually like that. And like, even when he's, you know, every time he tells the truth, it's like, well, how much of this is actually true to this story? You know? Yeah. And that's kind of the entire world that Faye lives in where like, she literally knows she, she literally has a basis for absolutely nothing being true at this point. Yeah. I I do love too that Faye, like her, backstory is kind of uh like her first interaction as far as her memory and reality are concerned at this point was waking up and getting conned (laughs) by the literal doctor who woke her up incidentally yeah yeah like the level of distrust that would have to give like it makes sense it's they had to really do something for Faye's character to not just seem like just such a shit <laughs> just such <laughs> just a complete so piece of shit yeah because like she's constantly running away stealing yep. everything and stuff like they'd have to have some like pretty good justification and like yeah that sucks <laughs> that's that's rough imagine if you woke up you were 20 you got conned and that's day one <laughs> That's like like you fell in love with someone and then he faked his own death to get his debt on you and was like, all right, have, take easy. <laughs> like, oh, rough stuff. <laughs> There's some, um, you were talking about Bacchus making the jokes and no one laughing. There's a really good reaction shot of like the Bacchus makes like the getting drunk joke and he laughs to himself and the nurse just is uncaring and phase just like in a daze because she just got woke up from cryo storage. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, one of the like reactions. So like when Faye, or when Whitney tells Faye that like she had an accident uh, fifty four years ago and you've been woke up in the future, like it shows her staring at Whitney. And when he says this, like her eyes get like the shot gets blurry and it just starts wandering around the screen, like she's not taking it in very well. Yeah, this is a very good shot. Very yeah. makes you like sit in there because you're also like, oh, this is confusing. Yeah, like poor Faye and like her eyes. She can't even keep her eyes on him. She's just that confused yeah well i mean like it's a large shock to her she's like not processing it well yeah they make a pretty good point too of her like um after she escapes from the hospital and the laser alarms that trigger when someone's running away from the hospital to escape their debts goes off which is uh hey can we talk about that real quick about how this episode like a major core theme of it is that the medical insurance industry is fucking insane and killing people (laughs) because like it super is like that's like the predicating action of this is it seems like despite everything like they have a legal claim over Faye over that money like it seems like they are scamming her to get that dude's debt onto her pile but it seems like oh, yeah, that the, is a legitimate pile of debt yeah, according to thing. the laws. I would feel that like being put sucks. in cryo storage would have to be like a prepaid thing. Like you couldn't just she pay it think. when you wake up. Yeah. Yeah, and especially because he's like, yep, and with uh, 54 years of interest, which like, holy, <laughs> you can't uh, charge I mean, like that. Because apparently the thing is she was in an accident. And just, like, while unconscious, they were like, yep, we can't treat you yet. You got fucked up really bad by this gate, whatever happened. Uh, so they just cryoed her without consent and then woke up and are like, thanks, we'll take $300 million. Which, like, yeah, that's a pretty relatable story, unfortunately. I mean, she did say when we first met her that she has so much debt that, like, your debt looks shit. And it's true. And it really does inform yeah. her character as well, because imagine having that level of debt. There is no paying that off. There's no escaping There's nothing it. you could do. Like, any money you make is fucked, so might as well live for the moment. Why not gamble it, it all away? Yeah, I was going to say, it really does explain why she just gambles it all the way all the time, because it's not like she can really hang on to it. And also, like, who knows, maybe she'll make it big and then finally be actually free. Like, it, it's like a desperate and kind of you know uh what, what do you say self-harmful like yeah self-harmful it's very exploitative you know it's kind of the exploitative nature of casinos in general and like yep. what's going on here so i'm dead yeah but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was one of those things that when i first watched cowboy bebop when i was like 13 or whatever like i didn't I didn't get that <laughs> I, I, I really now. understand the full gravity of like God, like, that's the worst fear, right? Just waking up with, like, that much debt in a hot... Like, I, it's almost worse than that. <laughs> like, it's just the pitch. She is like, why did you wake me up for this? Yeah, yeah, she straight up says, yeah, at one point, she's like, why would you wake me up and then tell me I owe you 300 million? What the fuck is wrong with you people? And, like, yeah, like, the only person who she has to represent her... Like, God, that con is so mean, too. The fact that they have her <laughs> lawyer, her representative, is also in on the con. Like, ugh. It basically kind of implies that this is a thing that they do go around to like unclaimed people in cryostasis, wake them up, and like, what the fuck are they going to do about it? It's 50 years in the future. Yeah, they got no Their one. brains yeah. are scrambled. Like, they don't know what's going on. They latch onto the first person who's there to give them help, you know? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's also the ploy that Whitney was, you know, obviously, whether he meant to or not, it's never really clarified, but like he was acting as, you know, a love interest to her to get her yep. to trust or get her to trust him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, con, con, con. man means co- confidence, man. Yeah. Like you're trying to build confidence between you and this person that's just totally fake, which is exactly what Whitney does to the point of like, and the thing too is, is when you understand that it's a con, it really does like recontextualize a lot of his actions, which I kind of love. Mm-hmm. Like when she runs out from the hospital and escapes, and he's just like, "Hey, come on, come with me." No, like I need you. Come on. And yeah, like, it's, it's so manipulative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so manipulative. When she's in this yeah. moment of crisis. Yeah, there. Um, yeah. Some other fun stuff is uh, when she stuffed Whitney into the ship, and they're just having a dog fight with Faye. Like she. Like, Spike and Faye are, like, really getting into the dogfight because they're trying. But, like, Whitney is stuck in the corner of the ship, like, suffering from the G-forces because he's Absolutely terrified the entire time. (laughs) Especially because, of course, the fake cops were there to pick him up. Yeah. Like, the reason he's so reluctant is because his Uncle Bacchus is just coming to grab him and take him away from the bad bounty hunters. God, I love that Faye's reaction to, like, the thing that finally turns her against him. Like, you can tell she's giving him one more chance, one more chance, this kind of stuff. And then, like, when he's just like, yeah, that's my uncle. She's like, that's that's your uncle. That's your uncle right there. And then it's just immediately, that's it. She's done. <laughs> like, that was the line just as soon as she's like, yeah, that was my uncle. And she realizes, like, it was a con from the word go. Yeah, there was <laughs> like, never was, any. There was yeah, it was all a con. Oh, but yeah, really, really good episodes. Um, so next time, is it another standard four batch, I think? Uh, I had it up there. Let me look. Uh, yeah, 16 Yeah, you pinned 19. it. All right, six. Yeah, 16, 17, 18, 19. Next time. Yeah. See ya, space anime. Space anime.